Good morning. Isn't it great to wake up and see the sun shining? Because we've been having such rain the last few days. So God is good. And the response should be all the time. Let's try it again. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Now we're in the spirit of worship. Welcome to Bethel Christian Center. My name is Dan Saldana, and our pastor is just walking down to the front, and we're just delighted to have him in view of the things that have been going on in his life. And again, I say, God is good. Hallelujah. Let's stand and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is the day that you have made, and we choose to rejoice in it. Father, because you are good all the time, and all the time you are good. And we gather together here, Father, to worship you, to raise our praise up to the throne room, Father. Receive it, Lord, and bless this assembly, Lord, as we enter into praise and worship. In Jesus' name I pray, and the congregation agreed by saying, Amen. Amen.
Thank you.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. 10,000 reasons to worship him, 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord. And that's why this morning we're going to pause and as we continue with our worship and talk a little bit about giving. This is Mission Sunday. This is Mission Sunday. Isn't that wonderful? This is Mission Sunday. See, we're about something more than just paying bills here. We're about giving to the kingdom of God to advance his kingdom. Amen? So in the scriptures, Jesus is very interested in what we do with our money. In fact, he speaks frequently about it. And here are some of the things he says. He says, woe to you who are rich. He says, you cannot serve God in manner. He says, don't store up treasures on earth, but store up yourselves treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You see, many people struggle with the teachings of Jesus because they're afraid. They're afraid that if they let go of their money, they'll let go of their securities. And we can see this example of fear in the story of the young man who asked Jesus, he says, Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus answers him, he says, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasures, and come follow me. But the man left heavy-hearted, sad-hearted, because he couldn't bear to give up his wealth. He couldn't bear to give up his security. But there is good news in giving. There is a secret in the benefit of giving. It's good for us. It's good for us because it teaches us to find our security in God our Father and to rely on him to meet our needs. Amen? Amen. Giving money is a great way of showing our love for God, but it's also a great way for God to show us how he can use us in the lives of other people and transform us. So as we give, our attitude is transformed. So give today. Give gladly. Give with a generous heart because the very act of letting go of your money does something within us. It destroys the spirit of fear. It develops a spirit of generosity. And it causes us to put a belief in God that he can meet our needs. Amen. Will the ushers come forward, please? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to take the time out to thank you because there are, we do have thousands and ten thousands of reasons why we could bless you this morning. And Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the grace. Thank you, God, for the opportunity that you allow us to participate in building your kingdom through giving through building your kingdom and sending people out in the mission field so that they can bring in, so they can build your kingdom, Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for this church and the work that we're doing here. God, we ask you to bless each person, bless those who are giving, bless those who have a heart to give. We give your name all the praise and all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Hallelujah.
I was shackled by a heavy burden beneath the load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me and now I am no longer touched me oh he touched me and oh the joy that floods my soul something happened and now And since I met this blessed Savior, and since He cleansed and He made me whole, oh, I will never cease to praise Him. Oh, I'll shout it while eternity rolls. Hallelujah. Oh, because He touched me. Oh, He touched me. my soul yes something wonderful happened and now I know he touched me and made me make you happy, I don't know what will. <laughs> My name's Christy. I am the youth um, pastor's wife here at Bethel Christian Center, and if you are new here, let us say welcome to you. It is good to have you in the house of the Lord, and it is good to have you worshiping here with us today. Um, we have a connect room in the back of the lobby where our pastor and his wife will be after church. Um, we would love to get to know you, get to meet you, and also give you a free gift. It's a place where you can take that connect card out of the back pew pocket and then hand it to us in that room. And, and we would love to just get to talk to you a little bit more about our church and what our mission is. 
Um, we have two different announcements that I want to talk about this morning, um, and they're both happening next Sunday. So we have quite a few graduates that are in um, our church, and they will be graduating from either high school or college. And it, of course, makes me tear up because it's a big deal, right? This is a big thing, right? We've seen these kids grow up, and now they're going to fly off, and they're going to be soldiers for Jesus somewhere else. And it's going to be great, right? Um, but our graduation Sunday is next Sunday, and it will be a special one. Um, so we'll uh, have to honor them. And with that being said, parents of graduates, we, make, we need to make sure that we get your pictures of your students. Um, it'll be 10 pictures. One picture will be of the family. One picture will be of uh, your child in their grad cap and gown. And then the others will be of them growing up. So y'all get ready. I think we're going to see some cute baby pictures. <laughs> and then the other thing that we need is just a little uh, paragraph or so about all of the things that your child has accomplished, things that they're involved in, and then where they're headed, what their next step is. The second thing that I want to tell you about is also next Sunday, June 10th, we are going to have another churchwide picnic, and that is going to be um, at the Eno River State Park at the end of Coal Mill Road. It is going to be a potluck, so bring something that everybody can eat and share. Um, the last time that we did it, it was a great time of fellowship, and I'm expecting nothing less this time. Um, the youth loved playing football out there. Um, we'll see about something else, another game that we can play. Um, but that's next Sunday, right after church, and it is a covered dish, so please bring something to share with everyone. We look forward to seeing you and your family there next Sunday. Happy birthday, Pastor. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow, thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you so much for your prayers. You'll never know what they mean to us. This is a powerful praying church, and uh, we're so grateful. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed the worship. Brother Matt, it's good to see you back. Thank you for being here with your family, and hope you, that you and uh, Anne had a wonderful trip, celebrating 25 years, I believe, of marriage. Congratulations for that. Amen. <laughs> Be sure not to tell Michael Britt how good he was this morning. He'd be wanting a big raise if you do. So, <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed the worship, and I did not know Michael had. I knew, I knew he graduated from state, but my goodness, with all that, but uh, I don't think he learned that music from state. But I uh, thoroughly enjoyed the music and the singing this morning, and thank you so very much. That second song. I, I just may get you, but reckless, reckless love. I may get you back up and sing it again. Uh, it was, it was just very good. If you will turn your Bibles with us to Acts chapter twenty-eight. It's good to have our guests with us today. Good to have Pastor David Smith and other ministers of the gospel. I appreciate Antoinette Joyner and all that God has blessed her with, and all that God is using her to do. And of course, Brother Larry is on standby, and he was going to preach this morning in, ca in case, in case, but uh, uh, I have the privilege of breaking the bread of life. And, but Brother Larry and Sister Tammy just returned back from this past week from Israel, and he will be uh, telling us Wednesday night about that. I just love that. 
I just just love that. Uh, come and give us a little synopsis of what you're what you're going to be doing Wednesday night, Larry, and uh, tell us a little bit about the trip and about what's going to be going on Wednesday night. So as Pastor said, for the last 11 days, Tammy and I had the privilege of traveling to Israel. We got back Friday morning, still a bit jet-lagged, quite frankly. And, um, but what a wonderful trip to get the opportunity to go and actually see and walk in the places that we've read about for so, for so long. And I would encourage you, uh, church members, and particularly our younger folks, if you can put that on your bucket list to try to make a trip to Israel and experience those things. And I'll be talking a little bit about some, I won't, I won't, this Wednesday night, I won't bore you to death with pictures. I know sometimes people go on vacation and they think you're excited about that as they are, and you're really not. But, um, but I will have some pictures of some of the places that we went, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the things we were able to experience, uh, including uh, some of the history of Israel and, and why is Jerusalem important. Brother Todd spoke on heaven this morning, and he, in that he talked about the new Jerusalem. And I had a chance to walk through those streets of Jerusalem and see those walls and walk the path that, that Jesus walked. And I shared this with a couple people, and I'll just share this with you. And I hope you'll come Wednesday night, and we'll expound on it a little bit. But I didn't know what to expect when I had the opportunity, and I did get the opportunity to go in and actually kneel down and touch Golgotha, the place where the cross was set. And I got to touch the stone that they said they laid Jesus' body down off. They took him off that cross. And I had the opportunity to go in and kneel at the grave. And, and although that was moving within itself, he is alive. He's not in that grave anymore. Amen. And you know what? The, the relationship and the experience that I have with the Lord was no more rich in Israel than it was this morning because he's alive. Amen. Amen. And I thank God I could walk those places and see those places, but because he's alive, I can experience him afresh right here in Bethel Christian Center, right there in my car, or right in my living room. And, uh, but, but it was a blessing to go. Uh, I look forward to telling you a little bit more about it, uh, about it Wednesday. God bless you. And happy birthday, Pastor. Thank you so much. Acts chapter 28, for the ministers that are here and have studied to preach or to teach or even teachers that have taught teaching, I spent two, well, really, over two weeks on the sermon that I was going to preach this morning. And then Friday night, I think it was God changed me. I think it was. You'll know about 12 o'clock. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, then I had to, to just put that aside and just go from scratch with this one today. Because I feel like the Lord would have us to say some things that is, uh, it's always important, but it's very important, and I'd like to read six verses, if you will, from the book of Acts, chapter 28, beginning with verse 1. And when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta, and the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Understand that these 276 men had escaped a wrecked ship, all of them on boards and planks and ever have other means they could get to the shore of this uh, very small island about 60 miles from Sicily. 
And here they are, it's very cold, they're very wet, and here is a fire that has been built for them by the natives. But when Paul, verse 3, had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging on his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he, the Apostle Paul, was a God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the scripture. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Lord, we don't want to just hear from a man, a human being. We want to hear what thus saith the Lord. And we believe as we plant seed today, it will certainly come to fruition and, and bring forth good fruit. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. We want everyone to have one. And uh, I want you to notice that we have titled this Marooned on Malta, or we could say the Miracles of Malta, the Miracles of Malta. And I could say a kindled fire because that's what we really going to be talking about. Notice, if you will, in your outline, the introduction. Paul was on a ship bound for Rome. There was a fierce storm and there were ship, they were shipwrecked on a strange island after the, after the ship had been broken into small pieces. All the 276 men escaped to land. The land was a small island called Malta, 60 miles south of Sicily. The islanders of Malta were Phoenician ancestry, which showed, and this is what Acts said, showed no little kindness. God had promised Paul safe passage to Rome in chapter 27, and he would let nothing stop his servant. No matter what happened, the devil was not strong enough. He'll move any mountain, God will. He'll, he'll do anything, whatever, in order to save us, get to us, provide for us, minister to us. And so we can certainly trust God no matter where we are in our walk with the Lord, no matter where we are in our stages of life, and we go through those stages of life, no matter where we are, God will always provide. Notice, if you will, numeral number one, the storms of life. Storms of life and attacks of the devil do not mean that we aren't in God's will. In fact, this happened during the time that the Apostle Paul was in the will of God. It's just like when Jesus and the disciples were on the, on, on, on the Sea of Galilee and there arose such a great storm. Jesus had told them, let's get into the boat and go to the other side. And some of us may be facing a severe storm today, but I want you to know something. Just because you are, just because you might be afflicted, just because you might be tempted in a measurable way, does not mean that you aren't in God's will. 
In fact, more than likely the other way around, if you are in God's will, the devil's going to try everything he possibly can to stop you, to destroy you, to take you out. He don't want you working for the kingdom. He doesn't want you doing anything for God. Paul could have said, well, I guess it just isn't God's will for me to reach Rome after all. But his present circumstances didn't stop him from gathering sticks. He was a humble man. He was a man that uh, did not mind uh, basing himself and, and saying, hey, I want, they're keeping me warm. They want to help keep me warm. They want to help keep us all warm and help us to get dry. I'm going to do what I can. A lot of times when people face certain circumstances and they go through certain things, they stand around and they complain and they grumble and they find fault and they do nothing. It's easy to do nothing. And if the church is not careful, a lot of times when those people are standing around doing nothing and complaining, we're working overtime to reach out to help them, to keep them warm, to give them this, to give them that, and to give them the other. I'm not too sure every time it's always a good thing. <laughs> you know, we, we, we need to do what we can. And that's what the Apostle Paul was doing. Uh, he was not looking on the dark side. There's not a one of us that at times when we go through certain circumstances that we couldn't bemoan and, and grumble and complain and stand around and say, I just don't know if God is even caring for me. But that's not what we're to do. We're to lift up, lift up our heads. We're to look up for our redemption draweth nigh. And God is never far away. Can you say amen? Access, he's just never far away. I love that. He's always close by, no matter whatever you and I are faced. Stop looking on the dark side and say, well, I just don't know if I can make it or not. Just consider this another bump in the road, another inconvenience and in saying, I know my hand is in the hand that supplies all of my needs, and I know God is going to carry me through. Isn't that a better attitude? Then the fold in your arms and say, you, let, you go gather sticks. You go do the work. You don't know what I'm going through. I've been through so and so and so. Listen, don't complain. Don't find fault. Say, I'm going to do what I can. And then God certainly is going to do the rest. Number two, comfort the weary. These men were wet and it was very cold. They were wet and cold, but they kindled a fire. The fire was a welcome sight to those who had just come out of the sea into the drenching rain and biting cold. God desires a kindled fire for each of his followers. Now, I'm going to get in just a few minutes uh, the analogy and the metaphors of a fire. But I want to say that again. God desires a fire for all of his followers. To heat us up, to get us warm. And as we look into this particular message, we'll find out the importance of God keeping us warm. Shaking off the snakes. Now, when Paul went to gather sticks, he carried an armful, and he took those sticks and he dropped them on the fire. There happened to be a serpent, a very venomous serpent in those sticks. He didn't move. He didn't slither away he just lay right there 
No doubt Paul did not even realize he had picked up this serpent with the sticks. And the reason he didn't move probably was because of the cold. The snakes become practically immobile in the cold and they're not very active. And so here he was lying cold and still, not moving. When Paul released those sticks and dropped them into the fire, the heat from that flame woke that serpent up and all of a sudden he snatches and he bites the hand of the apostle Paul. Wow. What a, what a, what a thought. What a great analogy that that is. The great apostle of the Gentiles did not think it beneath himself to gather fuel for warmth. As I said, he was humble. He didn't complain. A snake Lethargic, the snake was lethargic due to the cold and rain, quickly revived when cast into the fire. Now that's what happens when the enemy, when Satan gets into the very presence of God. I mean, I, there's no telling how many devils are in here right now. You say, they stay outside of the church. Mm -mm. They can come through that door, through people. Through all kinds of ways. And I'm not asking you or thinking to get you scared of the devil because the devil can't do anything to you as long as Jesus is on the inside as far as destroying you. Now, he can attack you and he can certainly come against you. But the serpent was cold. The serpent was lethargic. The serpent was immobile. And a lot of times the devil just lies there. He just lays there. He's not doing anything, saying anything. But you let the power of God move. It stirs him up. My, my, my wife's dad that started this church, he said, don't stir up more devils than you can cast out. If you're not going to cast them out, if you're not going to deal with them, if you don't have enough power, if the anointing of God is not prevalent, you might better... You just might better leave them alone because they will bite you. And that bite is very poisonous. You know, Proverbs talks about alcohol and it talks about its bite. It talks about how destructive it is. But there's a, there are a lot of things that's destructive other than just alcohol. Drugs are, have a tremendous bite. Uh, Immorality, all kind of sins. And people are being bit every day by these poisonous snakes. And a lot of times they don't even realize it. And they're wondering, what's wrong with me? Why am I the way that I am? Why am I oppressed? Why? We're allowing the enemy to hang around. And he's going to hang around unless we've got enough fire to wake him up and get him out. But when that snake bit the apostle Paul, he was hanging on him. Now, my thought would have been to, to knock him with a stick or something, but Paul just said, okay, old boy, and he holds his hand over the fire and he shakes him off into the fire. And what blessed me more as much as anything about this sermon was the same fire that stirred up the devil destroyed the devil.
You say, I'm afraid to stir him up. He might bite. He might destroy. He might hurt. He's not going to hurt as long as the fire of the Holy Ghost is burning. You know, the Bible says that he wants his ministers, Hebrews says, and of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. How long has it been since you've seen a minister on fire? I'm not talking about his blood vessels bulging out of his neck. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an anointing on him. I'm talking about the power of God there. When he walks in, the devil realizes it, and he sort of stands back over in the corner somewhere. I believe that God wants his ministers. You say, oh, I think every preacher, I think every minister. And all of us that are called of God, all of us that are born again, we all are ministers unto the Lord and unto the world and unto the needs of the world. And God wants his ministers to be a flame of fire. But a lot of times we're just cold, wet. You ever go in churches where they're just cold? You ever be around people, they're just cold and wet and negative? And you just, you just feel that. You just sit there just so cold. But have you ever been around someone that has passion for God? That's vibrant. That's excited. Let me ask you, let me ask you something. What is your passion for? What do you get most passionate about? What stirs your passions? And I'm sure we're thinking about what, what, what does stir my passions? What moves me? What moves me? Well, a, a new baby being born, boy, that, wow! A, uh, a Duke and Carolina basketball game, that'll get you passion and blood going, won't it? Can you imagine if, 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 if in this area, if God's people got as excited over serving God, going to church, working for God, witnessing for the Lord as they did a basketball game. I've done and quit, pre I've quit preaching and gone to meddling. I know I have. But it's so true. What stirs your passion? What, what even angers you? Righteous anger. What moves me? What moves me? Someone said that John Wesley said, I set myself afire and let people watch, come and watch me burn. And now somebody else said, he didn't say that. But someone said this, set yourself on fire with passion and people will come for miles to watch you burn. How long is it since you've burned? How long is it since God has stirred your heart? How long has it been since God has moved me with the lost? Move me concerning the unsaved. I'm trying to think of the preacher that, the Baptist preacher that pre preached so hard and he'd take a chair and break it over the platform. What's his name? Who? Jack Howes. Was it Jack Howes? It, it was a preacher years ago. And he would preach with such passion. People would literally be so moved. And there was a reporter that went to his hotel room up way up uh, on several floors high and was interviewed and he said, what, what causes you to preach with such passion? 
He said, come here. Come here. He took him over to the window and looked down on the sidewalk. He said, see those people down there? That's what moves me. Because many of them is dying and going to hell. How long has it been since we've been moved by those people that are lost? Our neighbors, our friends, our loved ones. When I got saved at nine years old, I went running up the stairs of my daddy's old, my grandfather's old uh, uh, grocery store. And I was telling everybody, everybody, that Jesus saved me. I believe I believed at that time everybody's going to get saved. I thought every person I talked to was going to get saved, you know. And I wonder how long has it been since we've been running upstairs and saying, come, I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about a man that changed my life. The woman that was at the well in Jesus' witness tour, she went running down through the village and she said, come see a man. Come see a man that's told me all things. I've always wondered about that. I've always wondered why did she say that? Come see a man that's told me all things. And I've thought since then, I believe that she was so moved in the fact that Jesus knew all about her. He knew she'd been married five times. He knew she was living in adultery. He knew probably she came at noon to avoid the other women of the town. I don't know. But he knew all about her and he told her all about herself. And she said, come see a man that knows all about me and still loves me. Come see a man that's accepted me just like I am. For who I am. Not for what I can do for him, but for who I am. How long has it been, Father, since we have been moved with compassion and love? The snake fastened onto his hand. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and suffered no harm. The fire of the Holy Ghost. I believe metaphorically it, 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 it can be the very presence of God. I'm reminded of the burning bush that, that Moses saw on the backside of a desert. That fire represented the very presence of God. The fire of Pentecost. John the Baptist said, and I love this, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and verse 12. I indeed baptize you with the water unto repentance, but he is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, some translations, with the Holy Ghost and fire. You don't hear that much anymore. With the Holy Ghost and fire, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn the chaff with the unquenchable fire. What do you think, what do you think John the Baptist was re relating this to? I think it was relating to the day of Pentecost in chapter 2 of Acts, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of 
You see, even on the day of Pentecost, those 120 or ever how many were in the upper room, they sensed the fire. It was like fire. Didn't say it was fire. It was like fire. Each, each tongue was like a flame of fire. I believe that's where, where John the Baptist was referring to. And one sat upon them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues and the, as the Spirit gave utterance. As the Spirit gave utterance. God desires that we be filled not only with the Holy Spirit, but He desires that His believers be set on fire afresh and anew. How long has it been since the fire of the Holy Ghost has burned in us? The same fire that stirred up the devil. That's the reason the devil can come into church and he's not moved a bit. That's the reason people won't get saved around the altar. They may come. Some people may come and they'll go away and they still live the same way they lived before they went down to the altar. I believe that getting saved changes us. I believe, in getting, I believe when we're born again that we're changed people. But we're not going to change unless there's enough fire to burn out, burn out the dross. To get rid of all the filth and ungodliness and the sin. We need the moving of the power of the Holy Ghost. We need, that's what we need. We need the manifestation of the Spirit of God. God moves, said hallelujah. The prophet prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed until the fire came down and lapped up the sacrifice. God, we need some lapping up of sacrifice around this altar, don't we? I'll tell you when the fire fell. Well, last Friday night, we were praying in this place. And I'll tell you one thing. God's Holy Spirit moved and the fire of the Lord came down. Did you see any fire? No. But I knew the presence of God was here. I knew the power of God was here. God wants us to introduce the fire to our culture today. Wouldn't it be great? If, if Pentecostals and Baptists and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and, and Catholics, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be something if the church would introduce the fire of the Holy Ghost to this culture? What's going to change this culture? Nothing other than that. Nothing other than the moving of the Spirit of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. You take God's Word going forth with its power and the Holy Spirit moving, people's lives will be changed. It's a good place to clap. People's lives will be changed. We need the power of God, the cleansing power, the passionate power of God. And it won't happen unless we're baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The sermon I was working on was emotional. Emo our emotions, how God uses our emotions. And God does use our emotions. I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about real, genuine, God-sent, holy emotions. We get emotional about everything else. Why can't we get emotional about serving God? We need to get emo Last Wednesday night, we came in and I told the congregation how that... Uh, uh, things had changed as far as my physical condition, and it was changed a lot for the better. And all of a sudden, Brother Dan took off running. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, Pastor Brother Dan, I felt the power of God. When you took off running, I felt the power of God move in my life. He said, well, running's not, well, let me tell you, just running for running's sake ain't going to do it. 
You can run all you want to and won't change nothing. But when God gets in your feet and you start dancing, hallelujah. He said, I don't believe in all that emotionalism. Tell David the king. Can you imagine him taking off his robe? Can you imagine this king? <laughs> he, just didn't do, he just didn't do the two-step. He didn't do a waltz. The Bible says David danced. How? With all of his might. I mean, that's dancing. I've seen people dance. I don't know if I've ever seen them dance with all their might. He danced with all his might. His wife looked out of the window of the mansion or the palace and she saw him dancing and she hated him. Let me tell you something. The devil hates you when you get passionate for God and passionate in worship for God. He don't want you to do that. But I'll tell you what, from then on she was barren. She never had any children. And the reason the church is barren today is because we despise the moving and the manifestation of the Spirit and the power of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what we need. You say, oh, I want to go to a church where they've got 2,000 people. They've got so many programs and they've got so many. Listen, there's nothing wrong with 2,000 people. That's great. 10,000, ever how many you want. But you better have the power of God in the church. You better not let those serpents lie dead and dormant. I know churches that they lie dead and dormant. They let them go in and, and, uh, and, and homosexuals are in leadership. <clears throat> now I know I've quit preaching and going to meddling. Listen, I believe that God will clean up a lot of stuff. Purity. There's purity. It purifies Fire purifies. And there's a lot of churches and there's a lot of people that they need to be purified by the fire and the anointing and the moving of the Holy Spirit. The fire of the Holy Ghost. As I said, let me, and we're redundant just a little bit. This looked ahead, talking about what uh, John the Baptist said. This looked a, uh, ahead to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would be sent by Jesus in the form of tongues of fire, empowering his followers to preach the gospel. God set us on fire. Move me. Let me be passionate about my service to you. Notice some things here. And again, I'm going back, but it's okay. Notice. I don't think we realize how fatal sin is. You know, we start out just a little here, just a little there. We start out just, just a little look here, a little look there. We start out just a little drink here, just a little drink there. It's not going to get us in trouble. We're going to be okay. But after a while, we find ourselves being destroyed. After a while, we find ourselves being bitten. After a while, we find ourselves being poisoned. And we're dying every day. Just a little bit. Coldness created the immobility of the serpent. You know, the devil's not concerned with our coldness and our indifference and we can just be cold and indifferent and just go through the motion. We could come in this morning. I'll tell you what, that second song, brother, was powerful. all of them were powerful. But, but we need these songs to speak to our hearts. 
We, we need Him to move us. I need to be moved. I need to be stirred. I need, my heart needs to be stirred more than a soap opera can stir it, more than a ball game can stir it. It needs to be stirred. It needs more than anything else in the world. We get excited over our grandchildren. Oh my God, look at them, rightfully so, rightfully so. But God's Holy Spirit needs to stir us more than anything in the world. And we need to be moved by that. Oh God. Oh Lamb of God. Notice. Coldness created the immobility of the servant. The fire stirred him up. God give us the fire of the Holy Spirit. Stir up the devil. The serpent was revealed with the heat. And there's not a devil. doesn't matter. It can be jealousy. It can be pride. It can be a spirit of immorality. It can be an addiction. doesn't matter what it is. You let it come in the church or let it get in your presence. Just don't have to come in the church. You let it get around the anointing. You let it get around the fire of the Holy Ghost and see don't it stir it up. The fire is what moved that serpent. And the, fi- the only thing that's going to move the sins today is the fire of the Holy Ghost. What kind of snake is latched on to you? Ask yourself that question. Sister Judy, come and if you will play me a little song or something here. And Brother, uh, Brother Michael, if you guys would get ready. If nothing else, sing that second song again for me. What kind of serpent is latched onto you? Shake it off. You say, Brother Don, how am I going to shake it off? God's word gives us the answer. Look at what James tells us. James, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil. And he's gone. But people quote that verse in James. James chapter 4 verse 7. They quote that verse and they say, Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He ain't going to do it until you first of all submit to God. We get the cart before the horse. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will he'll flee from you. God don't want the devil to snatch on to you. He don't want his poisonous venom to get in you. And the church has been bit every day. The python devil, that's what he is. He's a serpent. He's a snake. He's evil. Let me tell you something that the devil is, and I know you've heard it many times, but i got to say it loud and clear. The devil is a liar. And he, when he's talking to you, he'll sit right up here. He'll lie to you. He'll tell you something. And it's not a bit more the truth than anything in the world. He is a liar. And the Bible calls him a father of lies. He's a liar. Shake off that snake. We must shake him what is hindering you? You say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I, I, I'm not a bad person. Well, is there something hindering you from going on and moving, allowing the Holy Spirit to move with you with the fire and the anointing? And, and our kids today, you know what they're studying back there this morning? You know what they're studying? They're studying speaking in tongues. 
And I don't know, Brother Don, we shouldn't teach our kids about that. that they won't understand that. You're to hear them. I sat down with Angela and Gerald yesterday. You're to hear them talking about it and teaching their kids about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. We want to shy away from that today. Oh, we've moved on to a more modern time. Have we? Have we? That's what the church needs to be introduced to. We need to be introduced to that anointing. That is not only someone says the anointing breaks to you. That's not quite exactly what it says. It says the anointing destroys the yoke. What's attached to you? Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. God wants to touch you this morning. But He's not going to move towards you if you don't give some indication He wants him, you want Him to. God's a perfect gentleman. You say, I'm afraid if I go in that church, something will jump on me. Not necessarily. I'm afraid if I go in that church, I've got to do this and so. Not really. I'm afraid if I go to that church, I'll be embarrassed. We're not here to embarrass anyone. But He wants you to willingly, preferably, for you to first of all say, Lord, I need you. On a Far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Oh. This old boy loves that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners were slain. Brother Danny, I believe you know that and sing it with me. So cherish the old rugged cross till my trough is at last I lay. Sing it with me, folks. I will clean. I will. thing, listen at me, the only I want to sing that chorus again, the only thing that's going to break you free from the bite of the devil, from the destruction of the devil, and he's out to get his fangs in every one that he possibly can. He'll get them in you, your children, your grandchildren, 
And he, he may have a grip on your grandchildren. And today I believe as you pray, God's going to loosen that grip. He may have a grip on your child, your son, or your daughter. God Almighty wants to loose to them and release them. In Jesus' name. Stand with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come against the enemy that he's trying to destroy the sons and daughters of the families in this church. We come against, Lord, immorality, cohabitation, drugs, alcohol, lust, hate, bitterness, unforgiveness. Lord, every fang, every bite, we release them from it right now in Jesus' name. Every grandson, every granddaughter, Lord, I come against the enemy that's tried to take away our children and our grandchildren. And I pray that the prodigals would come back home. Many of them were raised in church. Many of them were raised to serve you. But they're out from under that now. They've chosen, dear God, to go their own way. Speak to them in the dead of the night and bring our sons and daughters and grandchildren back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Satan, you can no longer attach your fame to our family. You said you would save us and our household. We claim every household member right now in Jesus' name and we believe it and say it's done by the power of God. My Lord, I, I just feel that. I feel it's somebody's daughter. My. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross I love that cross I love that cross till my throat lift your voice I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for. I want you to emotionally, some way, allow yourself to sing it again and really get passionate about the cross. So I'll cherish the old
I, I would like for us to pray around the altar. I hope this morning, I hope God spoke this change to me concerning this message. I believe he did. I believe he did. But I want you, I feel like you say, well, Brother Don, I'm a good person. I'm going to say something. I don't want to make anyone angry, but there are other things that have snatched onto our hands other than drugs or alcohol or immorality. Maybe I got a business hanging from my hand that just keeps me from being what I should be before God. Maybe, maybe I've got something hanging there that takes up my time, whether it's, listen, there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. God wants us to enjoy our, the fruit of our hands and our labor. But guys, when we let things come between us and God, it's snatched, it's, it's, it's got a hold on us. Shake it off! I shake this business off. I shake off this person that's between me and God. I, I let them hinder me. I, I talk about it too much. I gossip about it too much. I, 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 I let it hinder me. I'm shaking it off this morning. Sickness, you've been ravaged in me too long. I shake you off today. I shake you off today. Bitterness. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you were misused. Maybe you were mistreated years ago. Maybe there are people that are against you. Shake it off. It's not worth it. All the venom, all the poison it's putting into your life. It's destroying you spiritually. It's destroying you physically. Shake it off. Let the fire get out on your knees and pray until you're baptized of the Holy Ghost. Get out on your knees and pray until the Spirit of God begins to manifest Himself in you. You say, I'm waiting for a preacher to come along lay his hands on me and deliver me. You get on your knees and pray. That might be good, but get on your knees and pray until you begin to speak a heavenly language. I don't take treatments. I don't go into a doctor's office. I don't lay down on a bed that they're about to do anything to me that I don't start speaking in tongues. And I, they, they don't hear me. I don't disturb them. But let me tell you what. Brother Danny, there's no comfort like the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I walked into that doctor's office and I walked into that and I started speaking in tongue, tongues and the, and, and the doctor said, under my breath, and the doctor, sometimes not, but uh, you know, the doctor said, listen, we got to change your diagnosis. We diagnosed you wrong. I'm not too sure they diagnosed me wrong. I just think God got in there and said, Whatever, whatever it is, get on your knees and pray and say, God, restore unto me my first love. Yes. 
If you don't pray for nothing else today, and I think this is a prayer all of us could pray, ask the Lord to restore unto you your first love. I got to hush. Come as we sing it again. So I'll cherish. Come around the altar and pray with me. Rugged cross till the trove is at last I will cling to the old rugged If there's something as you're standing before the Lord, whether in the altar, at your seat, or wherever, if there's something you feel like you need to get rid of today, maybe it's a spirit of, of heaviness. Maybe it's the spirit of oppression. Shake it off. You've been oppressed long enough. I feel, I feel like praying right here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'll come against the spirit of oppression. I come against the spirit of depression. And I command it to be broken from the lives of each and every person standing in this place today. I'm going to say it again. I command it to be broken, detached, detached, shaken away from every person standing in this place today. And I, I speak lightness. I speak the heaviness to leave. That spirit of heaviness, you must go. God give freedom, give joy, unspeakable and full of glory. In Jesus' name. If you're standing here today and there's something in your life, you know that's coming between you and God. I want you to shake it off. I want you to first of all submit to God. Now that's not easy. That's just easy to say. Submit to God, resist the devil, submit to God. That means you surrender. And we don't like to surrender. We've got our own wills, our own ways of doing it. And, and we don't like to surrender. But submit to God. Surrender. Humble yourselves. God say, I surrender. You might not be used to lifting your hands. And that's okay. You don't have to. But that's a good place to surrender. Say, I surrender. You know, if they walk into a bank and say, put them up. You put them up. God said, surrender. I put them up, Lord. I surrender. God, we surrender. In the name of Jesus, as we stand before you today, we, we submit. We submit to the will of God. We submit to the way of God. We, we submit to the wish of God. We submit and then we resist the devil. Satan, you are no longer going to keep me and my family in bondage. But I take authority over you in Jesus' name. And I'm going to pray this week. I'm going to believe this week. I'm going to pray until the fire, the passion, the cleansing passion and fire of the Holy Ghost moves in my life and changes me forever in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hmm. We'll put your hand in the hand of the man that steals the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man that Calms the sea. Take a look at yourself and you will look at others differently. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. 
How many of you know he's got a big hand today? He got Put your hand in the hand of the man that steals the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man that comes to see. Take a look at yourself and you will look at others differently. Put your hand in the hand of the man. One more time, sing it. Most of you know it. Put your hand in the hand of the man that steals the water. I got my hand in the hand of the man that comes to see. I take a look at myself. Look at others differently. Put my hand in the hand of the man from God. Father, we thank you this day for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the cleansing, moving power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you've done for every... And Lord, there's not one person, not one man, one woman, one young person here today that wanted to receive from you that is not received. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Something beautiful. Something good. my confusion he's taken away that confusion he understood all I had was brokenness and strife But he made something beautiful. Beautiful. One of these days I'm going to learn the verse of that song. But I better hurry up. I'm 77 years old. You know, I got to learn that verse if I'm going to learn it. Thank you. God bless you. It's been a great morning. Y'all have a great day. Turn around, shake hands, and be root friendly as you go.